right, I am Mitch Maley, and we are back with another special edition of the Bradenton Times podcast. And we are joined by Jen Hamey. She is a local attorney and one of 18 residents to have filed an ethics complaint against Manatee County Commission Chair Vanessa Baugh for her role in Vaccine Gate. And one of only two of those uh, filers who attended the hearing in Tallahassee last week and where they four to three voted to find probable cause for an ethics violation, which will now go to a trial. So we're going to learn more about that process in general and how it works, as well as what happened. We will have the audio by the time you get this also uploaded to our podcast site and to our website so that you can listen to the entire, about an hour long, I believe it was, Correct. of the hearing. And we're also joined by Bradenton Times staff reporter Don Kitterman, who's been covering this with me uh, since the onset. Thanks for joining us, Don. Thanks for having me. And thanks for joining us, Jen. All right. So tell us a little bit, first of all, can you help our listeners understand how the Ethics Commission uh, functions and how this kind of process uh, starts and where, where we've gotten so far? Sure. Um, so thank you for having me. My pleasure. Um, so uh, basically what happens is a person has to file a complaint. Uh, once a complaint is filed, uh, the first step is for legal sufficiency. They'll just look to see, hey, um, you know, is everything the way it's supposed to be so that we can move forward? Uh, once they do that, they move to the investigator phase uh, where it's assigned an investigator, research is done. Um, they will witness people, they will um, talk to people, they will read over documentation, and they will make an assessment as an investigator to send over to the attorney general's office, who they call the advocate, um, to determine if there should be any finding of probable cause. At that point, uh, it goes to where we're at at the level with um, uh, Ms. Baugh at this point, which is it went in front of the commission of uh, nine, and they heard brief statements. Each side gets 10 minutes. Um, they heard brief statements on either side as to the position and made a ruling as to whether there was enough probable cause to move forward. Um, they found the probable cause. And so now we're at a point where it will be forwarded to um, the division of hearings where a administrative, administrative law judge will be appointed to hear a full evidentiary hearing. It works similar to a trial. Um, and at that point, findings will be made by the, um, the administrative law judge, uh, go back to the commission with the findings and the suggestions. And at that point, the commission will make a determination of uh, what they recommend the sentencing to be. Okay, so to, to kind of uh, recap what we what we have here, it should be, first I should note that the findings of probable cause are very rare in my experience. And most of the complaints that I've uh, covered, the vast majority of them, I'd say about eight or nine out of 10, even when they seem very, very solid, it just seems to be very rare. If there's any opportunity for the Ethics Commission to hem and haw and say, uh, yeah, we're just going to let you slide on this, they tend to do that. It tends to be a very political body that may speak to the fact that it was a 4-3 vote, even though um, it seemed that if there's not a slam dunk in an ethics complaint, on this one, I don't know if one can exist. So we have Vanessa Baugh, who was the chair of the Manatee County Commission when Pat Neal gave her a phone call and was uh, with, at the time, um, Rex Jensen of Schroeder Manatee Ranch. Of course, Schroeder Manatee is the company that develops Lakewood Ranch. So um, Pat Neal had been contacted by his good friend, Governor Ron DeSantis, who had taken on what I had said at the time and, and really believe was a very political and 
you know, in my estimation, unethical path in, in his own right by having these pop-up vaccine clinics. So in addition to distributing the doses of vaccines through the regular channels of the county health departments, Governor DeSantis was traveling around the state and he was typically going to Republican-heavy districts and having these pop-up clinics and, and basically giving the impression that he was giving extra doses to these places, which, you know, let's be clear, Ron DeSantis had no doses of, you know, the vaccine. Uh, the state health department got them from the federal level and the distribution was not supposed to be political. So you can, you can kind of look at it political from the start with these clinics. And then he was reaching out to donors and supporters like Jensen, like Neil, uh, development community loves Ron DeSantis and saying, hey, what would you guys think if I came into one of your you know, communities and you could host a, a vaccine pop-up clinic and now all of a sudden people in those communities, you know, might have an opportunity to get vaccinated ahead of the line, so to speak. Um, and again, you know, DeSantis defended it and said, I'm just trying to get people vaccinations. I'm trying to go to older communities. But that particular time, he goes to Rex Jensen. He tells him he wants to have him in Lakewood Ranch or Pat Neal relays this. And Rex Jensen, from his telling, says that he's a little bit uncomfortable because he He's got, I don't know, 18 different communities or uh, 18 different you know, neighborhoods in, in Lakewood Ranch and it, only the pick two of them was gonna be complicated. He didn't wanna seem like he was showing favoritism. So he calls in Vanessa Baugh in her role as county commission chair and says, hey, can the county handle that part? And she says, oh, let me check. And she goes to uh, Jacob Sauer at, at Public Safety and he says, yes. So they say, yeah, we, we can handle this. We could facilitate this pop-up. So... That's all Rex Jensen knows about it, as, as far as we all know from everybody's statement at that time. That's all Governor DeSantis knows about it from everybody's statement at that time. Vanessa Baugh, from what we understand from everyone involved, outside of what she and her attorney said at the, at the Ethics Commission hearing, Commissioner Baugh takes it upon herself to ask Mr. Sauer, hey, would it be possible if instead of using the mandated by the county commissioners, I should say really codified process of a vaccine lottery in which anyone who was in the eligible group. So at this time, I believe we were still at 65 and older, correct? We, were. we weren't even on to special cases yet. No. Healthcare workers. Yeah, healthcare oh, healthcare, yeah, healthcare frontline workers. workers and 65 and over were the only ones authorized. So the county commission had voted that how they would distribute at that point would be a lottery system. You can sign up and then we'd randomly draw in, in um, different uh, fields um, each time uh, who would get to get the vaccine when. Everybody would get it, but some would get it sooner than another. And because of that, we wanted it to be random. She said, can we bypass that and instead do that lottery, but only from two specific zip codes? Okay, so that's where it becomes problematic is the approved process says no. And the only authority a county commissioner has is through a majority vote of the board. That's it. There is no individual authority for them to make any kind of public uh, policy decision. And the other really important part is they don't have the ability to direct county staff. So the, nobody works for the county commissioner other than arguably the county administrator who serves at their pleasure because they hire them. But even then, an individual commissioner cannot direct the county administrator either. They can only give direction via vote of the majority. And that is specifically so that one person doesn't, in effect, create policy on their own. 
Miss Baugh did just that. So she bypassed the approved policy. Mr. Sauer, you know, uh, I would have to imagine he knows that a, a single commissioner cannot direct you, but he followed that directive. Uh, he violated the policy and they created a lottery from just two zip codes. And then we also found out that they created a separate list, you know, the so-called VIP list that was to say, hey, these people, some of my buddies, uh, Mr. Jensen, Mr. Jensen's dad, who doesn't even live in the approved zip codes, and me are going to just be on the list. We're not even going to have to have the lottery. Now, of course, she wants to rely on the idea, well, I never got it. Rex didn't get it. That didn't happen. Well, it only didn't happen because the press found out about it, and we reported it. And of course, at that point, you've got egg on your face. You've got to not do it. Uh, you don't get credit for it, you know, once the cat's out of the bag. So that's what we understand to have happened. And then, of course, it became a big national-level scandal. Tell us a little bit about how the whole thing played out at the, at the hearing. So I want to clarify one thing. There was a five to three vote, not a four to oh, three I'm vote. Sorry. It's a it's a board of nine. Mm -hmm. uh, one gentleman had to step away before the vote took place, uh, but it was a five to th five to three vote. Um, so the hearing was very interesting. Um, you know, of course, her attorney is hired by her uh, to represent her best interest. Uh, but the arguments were a stretch at best. Uh, you know, as a fellow attorney, I can appreciate. I have empathy for his position because. You know, we're, we're handed the facts, we're handed as an attorney, and we have to just deal with those facts. Um, but some of the arguments he made were very, very far-fetched. Um, you know, there's a lot of conversation about how it had to be in Lakewood Ranch, and it had to be these two zip codes, and it was at the direction of the governor. There's been nothing to suggest that the governor did anything other than say, hey, I have these 3,000 doses uh, for the county. Uh, do you have a place to have it? Uh, in fact, one of the commissioners even said, um, you keep saying Lakewood Ranch, but Lakewood Ranch is just a location. What, what did that have to do with the two zip codes? No real good answer for there. Um, the, as it relates to the VIP list, um, that became a scenario of her trying to argue or her attorney trying to argue, uh, cause she didn't speak just her attorney did, um, trying to argue that, um, Miss Ball went through these 7,500 names that had been sketched out from these two zip codes. And in perusing through these 7,500 names, she happened to notice that herself and her neighbors were not on the list, um, to which one of the commissioners said, you went through 7,500 yeah. names too, to figure that out. Um, and, you know, we didn't ask to be put on the list. I just was pointing out to Jacob Sauer that our names weren't on the list at all and to make sure they got on there, not that we were intending on having a vaccine. Now, interestingly enough, uh, that might be the position, but then all five of you were called to yeah, get the vaccine. Right? So and again, one of the people at least wasn't even two, within the, two were two. Within Rex, the zip Rex and his father both. Oh, I thought Rex not, was. No. Okay. So I knew his father wasn't, so neither one. And so that, that falls apart, right? Yes. And at least two of the people on the list followed through and got the vaccine. That is correct. The neighbors. Oh, the neighbors did. The neighbors, the neighbors did, did get okay. the vaccine. So at least two people it. got the vaccine without going through the lottery process. That is correct. And every single one received a phone call. There's actually... Um, yes, all five received a phone call. Rex correct. declined. He declined on behalf of his father. And of course, Vanessa declined because she got caught. Right. Yeah. 
And you don't get credit for, exactly. for not doing it. Exactly. It's kind of like saying, uh, well, I had the gun against the guy's head and then yeah. the police got there. I didn't shoot anybody. Right. right. <laughs> That's exactly 100% it. The other point in the hearing, uh, and just so listeners understand, uh, I was able to listen to a recorded copy of the hearing. So I've heard everything that you were, frankly, you were there in person there. to be able to really <laughs> yes. absorb the, the room there. But... Um, one of the things that stood out to me, too, about the VIP list was, or I guess they don't like us calling it that, but... That's what it is. Yeah. Yes, and that's what we'll refer to <laughs> it as. And that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> <laughs> um, was that, uh, you know, like you said, the, the argument for it was we were just making sure we were in the pool, um, you know, because... But there's a, there is a public record that came out at one point that showed... The VIP list was sent at roughly 1 a.m. in the morning to Jacob Sauer. Yes, it was. And he responds to that. Well, that's because it took her to all the way to 1 a.m. to read the 7,500. <laughs> <laughs> so on her phone. On if her you, phone. If you listen to yes, hearing, she had to do it all on her phone. It was a mobile download. That was her attorney said. She was scrolling because she was out of town. She was scrolling on her phone through these 7,500 7, names. Yes, Correct. Yes. Um, but so Jacob Sauer uh, responds at... I don't know, approximately 8 a.m., and says to her, you know, he asks a, a question about, you know, has the state said anything concerning when we're going to do the second doses? But then he also says, um, I've also confirmed, you know, you and the others for Wednesday. Now, I mean, I guess that's vague enough that we can argue or, or her attorney can argue that her and the others were just all of them in the pool, are now confirmed for Wednesday, or all who were chosen. But then, but then we're looking at an odds thing, right? I mean, I, yes, haven't, I haven't done the math. We've discussed the math. But, about, if, but if we've got seventy five hundred on a list, yes, and just those all five, five happen to get yes, drawn, yes. that's what I said. They're astronomical. The at that percentage point. on that is crazy. Not to mention <laughs> the fact that you have taken, and this was one of the the premises I think of the argument regarding. Uh, you know, abusive position for a benefit of a, it can be for a benefit of a, the law says it can be for a benefit of her or a benefit of another or a benefit of a group of people. Right. And so seems like she checked all three. She checked all three boxes. She wanted to make sure she had them all in there. But um, she, you know, you took a group. I had uh, reached out to find out prior to file the day before I filed the complaint to find out how many people had signed up for this lottery system as a whole for the county. And it was about 150,000 mm. people right so if the governor is offering 3200 doses and at that point i think they thought it was 3000 but regardless 3000 3200 uh, is offering those extra doses to come into the county the percentage is very low if there's 150,000 people right. you know coming into that now you've pulled out these 7500 and i think the actual total was like 7485 people and now you've offered 3,200 doses just to that select yes. group of people, your odds have gone up to now roughly 60% right. to get that. That's a great deal. That's a great deal for you. And then it can't be, what can't be last in the conversation as well is that you're also talking about two of the zip codes that were among the three lowest COVID cases at the time. Yes. And then they were also two of the, I want to say, three wealthiest zip codes in the, yes. in the county. And when people say, why should that matter? Well, it should matter in the, in the sense that if you're a person with 
greater resources, your ability at that point to take precautions is multiplied. It's higher. You're able to say, I'm not leaving my house. Correct. I'm using, you know, Uber Instacart Eats and or Instacart. Whatever. Yeah. Yes, I'm taking advantage of the different expensive, more expensive technologies yes. that will insulate me better than someone who, let's say, look, there, there, are, there were people that were seniors that worked in front lines. You know, and they were like, hey, I work at Publix and I can't afford not to work, but I can't get a vaccine yet. You know, I mean, so there is a difference. Well, and again, it goes back to the integrity and the ethical behavior as a public official. Uh, you know, two points that were brought out. One, you know, Carol Whitmore, she was on those front lines giving out vaccines mm -hmm. because she's a nurse. She had the opportunity to get the vaccines because of what she was yes. doing. And she opted not to, mm -hmm. as she should. Because she didn't like the optics of it. And, and even with a high-risk husband at home. 100%, yes. right? So if anybody would, out of that bunch, would have been entitled to it, it would have been her, but she did the right thing. And then you have, uh, you know, Reggie Bellamy, another perfect example. You know, when this did come to light to the commission, his comment was, you know, I'm already serving an underserved population, yeah. and now you've made it that much worse. Mm -hmm. And so those, those things coming out like that is, it just sheds light as to even how much more awful it was in, in her behavior. This, this brings me around to thinking too, when I was listening to the recording, I think one of the most kind of mind-blowing arguments that her attorney, what was his name, Mr. Uh, Levesque? It's Levesque, I believe, Levesque. George Levesque, I believe. Is uh, one, one, of the, one of the arguments he made concerning the, the access was that people had lots of options. Yes, yes. You had lots of options yes. to get vaccines. You could go to your Publix. Your CVS. You could go to CVS. Walgreens. You know, churches were giving them yes, out. Yes. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, first of all, if that were the case, then why was anybody bothering with this lottery at all? And if that were also the case, why did Baugh need to make sure her and Mr. Jensen and the others were on that list? They could have just gone down to Publix or CVS right. and it, gotten themselves a vaccine. Yes, and what we have to remind everybody is at the time of this scandal, it was Correct. extremely difficult right. to get a dose. And that's what the commission, one of the commissioners did mention during the hearing was... You know, you're speaking as if we're in, you know, now time, that we're mm -hmm. talking as to current time. Back in February of 2021, when this all transpired, that was not the case. It was like Hunger Games yeah. out there trying to get a vaccine. People were driving 100, 150 miles just to find a vaccine mm -hmm. where they could sign up anywhere. And the attorney general's office in her rebuttal did stand up and say during the hearing um, she pointed out CVS, Walgreens, and Publix, which are the three that uh, Ms. Baugh's attorney pointed out, and gave dates to the commission of when those actually became available for Manatee County, for Florida. And it was dates after mm -hmm. that pop-up clinic took place. So those were not available at the time that all of this transpired. Yeah. Go going back to the, the selection of zip codes, Yes, that was uh, during the, the Q&A section where the, the so first you have the, the uh, state advocate speaks. Correct. Then you have um, Baugh's representation speaks. Correct. And then the commission, each who want to go on the board, can then ask questions of each of them that is correct. Um, on the points that they've shared. And I think it was uh, Commissioner Gate of the Ethics uh, Commission drilled down on that, that zip code, the, you know, why 
why did we have to, you know, uh, specifically choose zip codes? And and her attorney kept going back to the well, but the, the governor wanted Lakewood Ranch. She kept claiming he kept yes, they kept claiming that the governor was the one that set this. Right. And so the, there's a big gap there in that. <laughs> The governor was interested in that being the site location, location. but there's exactly. no evidence that Governor DeSantis ever None. cared or showed any interest whatsoever None. in where the people were drawn from. No. He wanted, if, if, if I'm going to like take a guess here, he wanted to give a gift to supporters by saying, hey, you get to be the site host yes. and that's going to be enough. So, and I get the appearance in you know, a heavily Republican, wealthy, donor-driven you know, market of doing something there, but the governor does not seem to have given any direction whatsoever of who would actually get the vaccine. No, and actually, the way that it's my understanding from what I've reviewed and what I've heard and watched and read, um, the governor had actually reached out to Pat Neal looking for a location in southwest Florida because yes, he felt yes. that they were not It was actually Pat Neal served. who said Lakewood Ranch. Right, and it was actually Pat who said to the governor, well, I don't know an, okay, <clears throat> an actual location, but let, let's reach out to Rex Jensen mm -hmm. and see what he thinks. And that's where Lakewood Ranch came out. What was interesting about that and, is... And to point out, Rex Jensen develops Lakewood Ranch, and correct. most of that development is done by Neal Communities. Absolutely. So, um, of course, we know that there's that, that political background. But um, interestingly enough, uh, what was brought out as well is um, at one point, uh, Vanessa's attorney tried to argue that, well, this was a private event being held that had really nothing to do with the county, which I find extremely interesting since it was held at Premier, which is a county-owned facility. facility, and she incorporated the use of county staff yeah. to facilitate this event. And, and a county-populated list yes. that was hosted Correct. by the county. So how do you then argue that this was some like private soiree you were having? Which then becomes problematic because now you're accusing the governor of taking federal vaccine doses which would be a federal ethics violation, yes. and using them for a private event, which is yes. absolutely no bueno. Well, and you know what is really sad about the whole scenario is, is that this was an this was a circumstance, an instance where because if the argument was, hey, I the governor want to look better, and I Vanessa Ball want to look better and make the governor look better. They had the ability to do that with yes. this. They had the ability to go in and say, okay, we have these extra doses. Manatee County is going to get these doses. Yeah. We're going to serve whomever we need to serve, and everybody's going to look fabulous. I, Vanessa Ball, can go as the chair to the next meeting, which was held within a couple of days, and announce to the other commissioners how I just got a call from the governor, and this is going to be amazing. But she didn't do that. No, she kept it a secret. In she fact, they had a, a meeting secret. and it never came up. Never right? came up. And that was a very good question. I believe Commissioner Missy Servia uh, was the one that raised that and said, hey, we had a meeting right after that. Why yes. on earth would that not come up in commissioner comments? As she tried to argue, she didn't have she enough time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and, and, and when the discussion first became public um, in that first meeting, uh, I can't remember exactly what the date of that morning was. Uh, the board was gathered and everybody showed up a little bit dismayed because it had kind of been broken to them. Either they had seen it in the paper, 
they had gotten a phone call or somebody had messaged them that they had seen it in the paper. Lots of emails. Um, and it yeah, was, I'm sorry. Wasn't wasn't it also disclosed that she emailed Jacob Sauer during the meeting? This is yes. what I'm getting to. This Got is it. what I'm getting to. So at that meeting, when it actually came into the public conversation, during that meeting, Vanessa Baugh tells the board and the public and everyone else, you know, hey, this was really down to the wire. And it was just a, you know, a few days ago that I first heard about it. And even then, it wasn't confirmed that it was definitely going to happen until a couple days before. But then when public records started coming out, we see that, in fact, the first emails and texts about this matter between her and Jensen and between her and Jacob Sauer were being exchanged, I believe it was on February 8th or 9th, which was a regular meeting, which means yes. she was having this conversation while all of her colleagues sat around her, knowing that this would be something and of And how interest. often has she, I've heard her do it, I've heard Commissioner Whitmore do it, how often have they interjected in a meeting, I just got all a text from right. so-and-so saying... Time. Right, right. And, and at that point, almost every meeting. Yes. And, and if the argument is, well, but I didn't have any details or I didn't even really know if it was going to happen. Again, I've heard this in meetings too. Don't really know the whole scenario here. This but, is the little yes. bit I do know. And I'll keep you guys posted as I know more. Because how difficult would it have been at a bare minimum to say, hey, governor reached out to us and 3,000 doses available for our county. How do we want to handle it? Right. But That's all it, she had seems to say. Very, it seems very clear that she deliberately kept it a secret. 100%. So that she could manage it. 100%. So she could manage the process and somehow make herself look like a hero. And what she wasn't counting on was she, made, she embarrassed the governor, who she fawns over constantly, but in her effort to go a little too far, it created an embarrassment. I remember what, was it, what function was it where he wouldn't, do a photo op Piney Point. Piney Point. Piney yeah. Point press conference. Yes. Yeah. Where he directed the commissioners not to be in the photo yes. with him yes. after the national scandal. Because, I mean, we're on national news again. It literally, my mother lives in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And she calls me and says to me, hey, Manatee County was just on this, the news with this vaccine gate yeah. thing. It went all the way over. It, it, was, on, it was in it was two a, UK papers. Yes, yes. I saw like a German paper or something <laughs> it made it into, yeah. It, it was a little bit frustrating too, listening to the hearing. Um, I, you know, I, I really appreciated the work of the state advocate. I think that she brought a very strong case, had definitely done her homework. Yes. But there's so many small details and background about period, the point in time that this was unfolding, uh, you know, what the situation was with the, the uh, desperateness of the people to get the vaccines, um, and then the little things that were being said that we were slowly creeping into our information through the meetings, through the open apology, through the public records request. Right, right. And I, we, you and I have had this conversation before. I had said, you know, it was frustrating being at the hearing, you know, again, as an attorney, wanting to just push and, and she was she was very prepared and she made good arguments and obviously it was it was successful so it was a good outcome but there was points and times where I wanted to just push her aside and be like let me handle this <laughs> because she's not from Manatee exactly. County right. exactly. so she doesn't have the full the you know they're, they're doing it in a vacuum based mm -hmm. on what information has been provided to them and my concern also with the commissioners is they were inundated with paperwork between uh, the 18 you know complaints that were filed mm -hmm. I don't know mine was pretty tailored in um, but you know if you're a lay person yes, filing yes. that I don't know yes. what you provided they had the 130 page sheriff's report they had her response. Let's talk about the sheriff's report a little bit because I found that interesting because now you get into some different kind of politics. And I heard one of the commissioners 
ask essentially, so do you think, do you the, think sheriff the sheriff? Yeah. Yes. yes, yes. And uh, his answer, the attorney for Vanessa Baugh's answer was basically, I don't know what the motive of the sheriff was, but clearly he doesn't understand how the ethical laws work. Right. He needs to stick to criminal. And I was like, wow. <laughs> that was very yeah, throwing throw Sheriff Wells under, <laughs> yeah, the, under the bus there. So, you know, this this is where some of this gets complicated. And I think, I think, call me a cynic, but I think it may have been the the motivation for Commissioner Baugh to really press so hard for that official letter to the governor kissing his six point of contact. Yes, yes. <laughs> right before, which it was like, oh, doesn't she have that ethics commission coming up? Why yes. on earth is it so important to her that we send this love letter to President DeSantis Signed by all commissioners. That literally serves no purpose. No purpose whatsoever. To the people of Manatee well, County. I'm, right. I'm hoping that the next letter that comes back is from him, <laughs> <laughs> giving her her disciplinary action. <laughs> yeah. So, the, the, where, where f- from a political standpoint, what has to be asked? I think initially, when it became a national news story, I think DeSantis. I mean, he pretty much follows the the uh, never apologize, never say you're wrong type style right. of of leadership. But and, he seemed very uh, surprised. He seemed very surprised when that was brought to him at the press yes, conference. Yes. But at first he went into a very defensive yes. mode. He seemed confused. He yes. seemed very confused. Yes. Yes. So my thing. inclination was, I don't know what they're talking about here, but I have to imagine once he found out, he was, he was not, not thrilled with no. Vanessa Ball. And I think that by the fact that the sheriff's department reached out to um, the Chief governor's of office uh two different people yeah Chief did of not staff get and, uh i believe the head of uh the health department so it was courtney coppola and i can't yeah, remember there was the, two I can't people. remember the other gentleman's name but he was the chief of staff yes. for Ron DeSantis. yes they had reached out to him and basically their comment was we don't have any idea what you're talking about we gave these doses what they did with them we don't know and that was brought up by one of the commissioners during the meeting was well you keep referencing this argument regarding the governor but we can't find you have no names <laughs> right. to give us of who you supposedly and all talk the communication to that and no is communication here says- right so it would suggest that the governor was directing you with these two zip codes so i think that you know i think she should be real careful yeah. about her continuing with this argument that isn't going to go anywhere. Yeah, especially since in the big scheme of things, she is a guppy or a minnow in this 100%. pond. 100%. And, and I he's don't, up for re-election. Yes, and, and mounting a, an obvious yes. presidential campaign. Uh, there is going to be, I think, less than zero tolerance for a you know, Podunk County Commissioner <laughs> shooting him in 100%. the, in the, in the you know, Achilles on that. Yeah. Now, t- Jen, can you talk to us a little bit about uh, maybe a summary of some of the more interesting things that was in that sheriff's report. So I have not read the sheriff's report in oh, okay. great detail, but I can tell you just kind of some of the outlines. Okay. Um, you know, obviously they spoke, they did a very detailed job uh, with the sheriff's department. And, and and my understanding based on kind of, cause I was able as a complainant mm-hmm. to contact the uh, ethics commission to ask, you know, like, how's it going? Where are we at? Kind of deal. Uh, you know, and in speaking with one of the investigators, he was basically had said to me, uh, you know, we're working on the investigation, it's moving forward, but we want to wait for the sheriff's department to finish theirs, um, probably to avoid having duplicate type conversations because the sheriff's department was putting so much effort into interviewing the people that needed to be interviewed. And so I think that that investigation as a whole, um, I was not surprised that the finding was that there was no 
criminal behavior. Uh, if she had actually gotten the vaccine, that might have been a different story. It might have been a theft by deception kind of deal or something to that effect. I was not surprised that it didn't rise to a level of criminal, but I felt that it was helpful in assisting the ethics commission because even the uh, sheriff said she knowingly and intentionally did these things. We It doesn't rise to the level of criminal, but she she knew what she was doing, and we think that this is not right. And, and they essentially said, uh, the, the investigator said in his conclusion, uh, but there's pretty sound reason to believe yeah. that this is an ethical matter. Yes. Um, and that was what the commission, the ethics commissioners, were uh, the ones who were concluding to yes. find probable cause. At least one or two of them referenced that fact. They you know, did. They could not get past what was in the conclusion. In the report. And they also had referenced some specific things that were said when they invested, when they um, uh, spoke with, I think it was probably Sherry Corrier and uh, Jacob Sauer, to the effect of her comments regarding, you know, I'm the chair, what else do you need? Go do yes. it, basically. Isn't that good enough? And my that? constituents are going to love me for this. Um, you know, so those kinds of things, they latched onto those. The commissioners latched onto those. And there was a couple that mentioned it several times, like, why, why were these things said? Now, of course, uh, in Vanessa Baugh's argument, everybody's lying except her. So um, it'll be very interesting when the actual um, evidentiary hearing takes mm -hmm. place that there will be actual witnesses right. that are questioned. Yeah, obviously and that will Sauer happen. will be. Sauer will be. I'm certain Sherry Corrier will be. I mean, her attorney came out in his opening and, and said right out, you know, what are you, who are you going to believe here? A disgruntled, on her way out the door county administrator uh, who's lying to you yes. and her buddy who happens to head the public safety department, yes. Mr. Sauer, yes. or my client. And listen, know. here, so, and th this is where things do get murky in the sense that if we go back and remember the context of what was happening at the county level, you had Sherry Correa was just about to be fired. Everyone sure. knew that. Uh, Jacob Sauer was in a, hey, you gonna play ball type uh, position, mm -hmm. of, or are you next? And this is where, so, you know, listen, I think Jacob Sauer deserves some rightful criticism for when she said, I'm the chair, isn't that good enough? It, you know, and that was him who said that th those are her words. His answer should have been no, according to the, the you know, the bylaws of the commission. Uh, it's not, I can only be directed by the county administrator and you can only direct her through a majority vote of the board. And again, I can't stress this enough, an individual county commissioner School board members, city council members, same thing, has absolutely zero public policy control beyond their role in creating a majority vote to craft an ordinance. They are not able to go to any county employee and say, do this, do that, don't do this, don't do that. Even the county commissioner, who they just hire and or fire, and even then it has to be through a majority vote. So Sauer ethically should have said, no, it's not good enough. We both know that. I'll talk to Sherry about it. Uh, Sherry did say that she had heard that that was happening and said she didn't agree that it was a, uh, a good idea. Um, she probably should have done more like inform the board. But again, that's what happens when you create this political acts 
you know, uh, man environment where we're coming through and getting rid of everyone who's not on board with us ideologically. And we don't care that this is how you feed your kids. We don't care that this is how you've made your career. You're either on board with the political message of the people who have put us in office and bought our seats for us, or you're not. Choose. And I think it's a hard position to be in um, for a couple of reasons. You know, one, like you indicated, you don't want to lose your job. And it's very, you know, me as an attorney, for example, uh, you know, I have paralegals that work underneath me. Um, my my paral I'm ultimately responsible for their behavior um, if something goes sideways as it as it relates to my clients. And I think the commission is in that same position. They're ultimately the people that were voted in that were elected into those positions by their constituents and they have that's why the law says what the law says is because it's them who has the responsibility from an ethical standpoint sherry corey is not going to be brought in front of the ethics board jacob sauer is not going to be brought in front of the ethics board they're not elected officials they're not going to go in front of the board for those kinds of things they have bosses that they answer to that are going to be responsible for that and they're in a bad position when she's the one who's ultimately responsible sitting there saying just do what i say because i'm the chair and you just need to do it and i think jacob sauer at one point in time did say i regret that i did it i should have pushed harder against it but, you know, it's always hindsight. It's always twenty twenty to go back and be able to say, I should have done this or I should have done that. We were in the midst of this crazy pandemic. People were out of control. They're getting inundated with emails on when am I going to get my vaccine? The county had put into place a proper, what they felt was a fair lottery system at that point. And you've got one commissioner who went rogue to the detriment of the other six who had no knowledge by behaving this way. And that's just wrong. Yeah. That, I mean, that's the bottom line. It's wrong. And one of the commissioners um, during the hearing, you know, he wanted to file, I'm sure you guys had listened to it. He wanted to file a motion to dismiss right away of all the charges because he's like, this is politically motivated. Mm -hmm. And again, a hard point in time during the hearing to not stand up and run my mouth because <laughs> I wanted to be like, this is not politically motivated at all. I can't speak for the other 17 people that filed, but I can speak for myself and I can tell you for myself this was a simple right and wrong. What she did was wrong mm -hmm. and she needed to be held accountable for it. I have no I, no thoughts of running for office. I don't want to have, I have no political anything. Uh, I am a private citizen. I own a private business. Um, and this was just for me a right and wrong type scenario. And if she had come and said, I made a mistake, people make mistakes, I get it. If she had come to, come to the population given a heartfelt apology. I am so sorry. Total misjudgment. I was just as anxious and nervous as the rest of you guys. I made a bad decision with my position. I'm going to step down as chair. I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to try and get your trust back. I never would have filed the complaint. But she was so arrogant to come in, slamming her things around, giving her fake apology. Yeah. Not, not even an apology. Not it even was, an yeah. apology. It I'm was, sorry if you misunderstood. I'm that sorry that the media has yeah, called me yeah. out and now I have and, to and, apologize. And she, was, and she was sorry that someone dared to what she believed 
leak the VIP yes, the list. Re- and so she was sorry to her friends yes, that she put in a public record addresses. and included their phone numbers and stuff. Right. Yes. So she was sorry about she that. Was sorry. She, and I always say she's not sorry. She's sorry she got caught. Yeah. And that's what it boils down to. And it was funny because she's slamming her books. I distinctly remember watching the hearing as she's slamming these things around, talking about this, you know, this angry apology she's giving as she says, and I'm going to find out how it got out with, and I'm like, You've been in office for how long? You don't understand how public records Records work work at this point? It was so it was just I was flabbergasted. And and, and this going back to the commission hearing. Yes. um, at one point again in his opening arguments, Baugh's attorney says or or, correction. Yeah, I think it was in his opening. It was either in his opening or in response to a question. But at one point he says, uh, given the opportunity, I'm sure my client would go back and do, you know. A thousand things differently, and I'm listening to it thinking, I don't clearly think so. did not listen yes. to that apology no. because she says in there, "I didn't do anything wrong." I didn't do anything wrong, and I'll wrong. do it again. I yeah. will do this again, and I will do it exactly the yes. same way. Those are her own words. That is what she told us. I am amazed at this point. So there's been four opportunities at this point for this to go away, right? There's been when it first got filed, it could have been dismissed. When it went to the investigation level, the investigator could have said, "We don't see anything here," and let it and made it go away. It, when it got to the attorney general's office after the investigation report was given, they could have come and said, we don't think there's anything there. And at the probable cause hearing, the commission could have shot it down four different times now. It has not been shot down. Yeah, and you know what's really interesting about that is that over the last few years, as, as we've become much, much more polarized politically, it's become very, very rare for either party to hold their own accountable. And it's been because the the thinking seems to be if we do that, we're only giving ammunition to our enemies and they're going to hit us over the head with this club that we've created. So instead we have to say, no, no wrong was done. Fake news. That's it. And uh, I think enough Republicans are looking and saying, yeah, we don't want to hitch ourselves to this wagon. Well, I- and the thing is, is it's not even, this is not a partisan type issue even. This is a right or wrong. Like, I right, but she's still, board, like in Florida, there is the problem that we're a one-party state. Yes. So yes. it's very hard to get accountability for a Republican. We've seen, and that's why I said nine or ten times with the Ethics Commission, it's almost always a Republican yes. before them. You even saw with the disclosures when, when the attorney, uh, you know, presented himself, every single person had to say how well they knew him. Four, how, four. Yes. I was, when I first heard that, they're all announcing how that, I'm like, this is not good. I, uh, I know, I know him very well. Um, we we've, we've, yeah, uh, we golf and play golf. Drink. Yeah. And I went to his daughter's wedding. I'm like, okay, this is not good. And even with all those things in her favor, to your yes. point, Miss Baugh has not been able to come out on no. stage. Well, and I think this is this is an important thing for listeners to know too, because we have seen, um, you know, back onto what you said, Jen. You know, feeling a little bit attacked by hearing the argument that this is all just political fodder. Yeah. You know, we're, this is politically motivated. And then we see in the last couple of days, her attorney has given statements to different media outlets essentially saying, um, you know, much in the same that, uh, and also, this was also a very close call, guys. I mean, you know, it was 5-4. It was not, you know, it's not like it was a super majority, if you will. But so I went and I looked And of our yes votes, so for the yeses for probable cause, was the chair of the commission, which is a Republican. Um, We have the uh, Michelle Anchors. She's a Democrat. Uh, We have uh, Clinton Gilzine, I believe it's pronounced. He is a Republican appointed by DeSantis. Yes. 
Um, and then we have Mr. Gates, who is also a Republican. And then we have one other, uh, Mr. Meggs, who is a Democrat, but he was appointed by DeSantis or reappointed by DeSantis. So in the, in the motion made to approve for probable cause was made by uh, anchors, um, who is a Democrat, but was seconded. And actually, when it was seconded, there were two people who spoke up immediately yes. in unison. Yes. So I don't know who that other voice was, but th one of those seconds, the one that was counted, was uh, Mr. Gleason, who's a Republican appointed by DeSantis. So in the end, there were actually three Republicans and two Democrats who, uh, on this commission, who saw fit to uh, say there's probable cause here. And of the ones who said... Ah, I think this might just be political. It doesn't rise to ethical. Um, that was an even split. You had two Democrats, two Republicans. Mm -hmm. well, Very interesting. And there was only one gentleman who stood up and was like, this is a political thing. It needs to be dismissed, um, you know, right away. This is ridiculous. Um, the other two that spoke in more detail before they voted no for it, said no, but their reason wasn't because it was political or any type of you know shady shenanigans. It was, we don't think she was right in the way she behaved, but we just don't think it rises to a level where she can be found culpable mm. for this particular cause of action. So there's there's a difference there. It wasn't just a it, it really yeah, no. it wasn't as close as right. it might sound. It, right. it really came down vote. to um, you know the argument and Baugh's defense on those two statutes. So what was it we had? We had the two statutes. One was for the abuse of power. Was you know in summary, what was the other one? It's that for was the, the they're actually both for an abuse of power. It was. Um, Abuse of power under section like 112, because it falls under one of them has to do the with the Florida for benefit. statute, yes, and for then it falls under the um, administrative code, and it also falls under the Florida Constitution. Oh, okay. So there's three arguments that outline her requirement mm -hmm. as a uh, elected official to not gain anything as a result of her mm -hmm. position, and that's why uh, to me that's very clear. I could not go as a private individual citizen to Jacob Sauer and say, here's my list of five people. Put me and these four other people on this list for this pop-up clinic that's coming. And oh, by the way, I want to see the list of 7,500 other people from yeah. these zip codes that you pick. Jacob Sauer's going to be like, who are you? Why right. are you in my office? You and know, what are you doing? And I thought that was a really great point. I believe it was the chair of the commission that in, uh, in her question phase kind of brought up that fact that, okay, even if we are to believe that these people, this list wasn't about guaranteeing anybody a definite spot, is it not a fact that it was a benefit to those people because they knew Commissioner Ball yes. that to even be able to say, hey, they aren't on the list, put them on the list. She's like, you know, my great aunt Myrtle or whatever could live right, down there right. in Manatee County. Ball wouldn't even recognize she wasn't on the list if she was supposed to be on the right. list. Yes, she doesn't yes. know Ball. Right. That's a great so point. Yeah. It, it's still... Whichever way, you know, yeah. there's still a benefit that was gained there to those individuals. Well, and I found it interesting also that the gentleman that wanted to do the dismissal, who was like, this is politically driven, and it was an awful time. COVID was hard for all of us elected officials. Yeah, but that's the point in time yes. that you are supposed you to, to do the right yes, thing. Yes. That people are looking to you Th as the elected That's a compounding official. factor, not a mitigating yes, one. Yes, right. like you are, we're, yes, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Life is crazy. People are panicked. So if there's people ever a time 
hard to do the right, right thing. And and one of the gentlemen that were on the commission gave that example that there was another mayor. He was like, I don't know if if there if this isn't wrong, I don't know what is. Yeah. But he gave an example of a mayor in a town here in Florida where all of the electricity had gone out and it was like you know ninety five degrees or whatever middle of the night type deal. He contacted the uh, utility company and said, "Turn my stuff on last." Make sure all my yeah. constituents are taken care of before you worry about me. And the commissioner said, that's what you're supposed to do. That's how you're supposed to run your life because you opted to be an elected official. Well, you remember how she patted herself on the back when she talked about it? She goes, and you know what? I didn't get it. Didn't do it. Mm. And I was like, yes, I know, because you got caught. You couldn't yes. go. Of course you didn't go yes. and get the vaccine and, and, after and it was all over the media that you put yourself on the 100%. list. And, and I believe it was one, I think one of the commissioners strikes on that point as well, it, or perhaps it was only the state advocate, uh, that that very point right there. Like, you know, your, your defense here is you didn't get the vaccination. Right. But it is very clear yes. that you intended well, to and use that your was power a, to do right. it. And that is what one of the commissioners said was, and that went along with the benefit thing that sh that the commissioner was talking about, was that, yes, you didn't get the shot. You're arguing that there was not a benefit because you didn't get the shot. But she said, because of your position, you were in a position to be able to get it and put yourself on a list to get it because you of the benefit of your position. Right. Other lay people would never have that opportunity. Right. This, right. this leads into another uh, point in that defense that kind of sent me for the loop. Uh, you know, it was it was argued by Baugh's, uh attorney that um, you know those two zip codes. Uh, you know, it was just because it, it needed to target Lakewood Ranch and those two zip codes make up the majority of Lakewood Ranch to which one of the commissioners, I don't remember which on the board, you know, pointed out the fact that, okay, so but there's more zip codes in Lakewood yes. Ranch and there's more zip codes in your district. So you, there were even people within your district, district that, you, that got yeah. more of a chance right. yes. uh, than, so you, you actually, you know, kind of wronged your own constituents yes. in the sake of yes. benefiting these others. And and one of the arguments he said in that, uh, and this same commissioner said, um, you know, can you explain to me why should we not have, even as chair, she had the power, like you said earlier, why should we not have uh, had this be open, located in Lakewood Ranch, and but be open to the whole county? And he, are, and, and her attorney argued that, well, you know, that, that list, that lottery was, he says, 250,000. You said yeah, 150,000. 150, but he says a huge chunk of the people on that list weren't even Manatee residents. That's the problem. So if we would have opened it up to all of the people on that list, there would have been people from St. Pete and Sarasota. Well, then how about just scrub the list for Manatee zip codes? That And that yes. is my point. If we can pull zip codes to right, make it right. just two. her two districts, yes. then why we don't we just pull just all the manatee well, zip codes? 100, and that yeah. was my thought exactly listening to that argument. I thought this just does not make any sense. And here's the deal. At the end of the day, yes, those particular commissioners are voted on by their district. But that doesn't circumvent the duty that you have to the county as a whole yes. to not screw people over. Right. Okay. So even though, yes, she's like, woohoo, my constituents are going to love me. I'm helping my district. You don't get to, again, as an elected official, the law says you don't get to screw over everybody else in your county to their detriment because, again, those two zip codes and your constituents in those zip codes got a benefit as yes. a group. Because of your position. Now, let me ask and you this. that's not okay. Let me ask you this, Jennifer. Uh, can you explain to listeners 
how the process goes along now. Now it goes to what you said is similar to a trial. Yes. So it's an evidentiary hearing. Correct. So it will be in front of an administrative law judge. Administrative law judge. And will it be held locally? It will be. It will. Yes. Okay. Yes. So it'll be in the 13th uh, circuit? 12th. 12th circuit? I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, and we are, um, yes, it will be in our district. Um, it will, I don't know the exact location yet. I'm waiting to uh, get the information when the hearing's going to be held, but it is always at this level. It's always held at the county where the offense took place. Mm. So it will be held in Manatee County. I and will, it will be public. It will be public. Everything's public at this point. Um, once the probable cause was determined, everything moving forward will be public. So it would be open for the public to come observe and watch. Um, they will, like I said, have witnesses. There will be testimony. So there what will, will the ALJ will then make a recommendation to yes, the governor? They will make a rec, Nope. They will make a the, recommendation of findings to, to the, the commission. Okay. So it goes back to the commission. The commission has very limited ability to change the findings yes. at all. Um, but at that point, based on the findings is when they will talk about the penalty phase. If she's found culpable for this behavior, they will talk about the penalty phase. Depending upon what penalty that is, then at that point, it will go over to the governor for sign off on it. Now, secondarily, I don't see this happening based on the comments that have come out from her and her attorney, but they can try and settle it as well. Yes. So she could talk at any point in time with the attorney general's office and play let's make a deal to try and get something Which resolved. is often what happens when they find probable cause. Which is often what happens. Her stance is to this day, and I do not get it, but to this day, her stance is I have done absolutely there nothing wrong. There is a wrong. level of narcissism there that is <laughs> staggering. I have just flabbergasted every time I hear that. Um, I don't know at this point if the attorney general's office would even play let's make a deal. They don't have to. I don't think so. In fact, if they did, I think they would really, really be in a difficult situation yes. because it's kind of like folding a poker hand when, when you're holding all aces. Yes, yes. And so... It would look like if they took anything less than a, a resignation, yes. I think it would look like they were doing a political favor. Yes, I agree. And even if they do come to some type of settlement between the parties, uh, that goes back to the commission and the commission can choose to decline the settlement. Mm. So if it if they so just work like something out, hearing. yep. Okay. So if they work something out and went back to the commission, and the commission says, "I don't think so. We're not accepting this settlement." Now, but when it comes it down to removal from your ALJ. office, the only person who can do that is the governor. Is the right? governor that is and correct? How, now, how would that work in a sense of can the governor governor can step in at any point and remove her for an ethical violation, or does he have to have a recommendation from the he commission? has guidelines in which he is permitted to remove any elected mm -hmm. official at any point in time if there's the decision that warrants it. Right. My guess would be in this particular scenario, he's going to let that process go okay. through. So would that be a recommendation from the commission for him to remove her from office? Yes. Right. Okay. Yes, that, so the, they that's the worst the penalty. That's the worst thing. That's the worst case recommend. scenario. Okay. That's mm -hmm. the worst case scenario. For Mrs. Barr, the for best. Mrs. Barr. For, for the best. For, for the, rest the of citizens us. of Manatee County, <laughs> it would undoubtedly yes. <laughs> be the best because we would be removing someone yes. who let's, let's, also remember, for anybody that doesn't follow this any closer than, than this issue, uh, this is only one of numerous, numerous ethical, you know, problems that uh, Commissioner Baugh has had since being in office. So yes. this is emblematic. Yes. This is not an exception. This is really emblematic of, of her service. Yes. And when you say when you say numerous ethical, uh, so have there been other filings or you're speaking just in... No, just in, in, in the obvious difference right. of, <laughs> right. of overall Well, and, and, right. and it's something that Jen and I talked about, too. It, it is a little bit frustrating, again, living in Manatee, and if you're following the meetings, and if you're paying attention, um, you know, I, I 
called in a public comment myself the other day and referenced back to this resolution (laughs) that we were all told, I wrote this, I wrote this, I wrote this. She was put under oath and suddenly she didn't write this. And yet we still don't know who the heck actually wrote it. I drew this map, I drew this map, I drew this map. I wonder if she was saying under oath that she drew this map. Correct. But as you know, as an attorney, unfortunately, and fortunately, I suppose, it is important that you can't bring up somebody's past sure. things and current. Sure. No, um, not part of the trial, but definitely part of our examination. But, of, but, it, now, but, it, it, but it is different, too, when somebody has never been held accountable yes, to this Yes, that's been point. the problem. And, and that's where the narcissism comes from. Yes. If you keep not getting in trouble. Well, and I think as a two things to that. To your comment... Um, yes and no. There's evidentiary rules that talk about what can be brought in from a trial type scenario. But if these things are necessary to impeach her or to show a pattern of behavior, those things may come in. Secondarily, as we would talk about just kind of the chaos of the county, that was one of my frustrations during the hearing in dealing with the attorney general, who, like I said, did a great job um, in knowing the facts and knowing what things they needed to point out. But I felt like there was, again, it was in a vacuum Mm. because I wanted to be like, no, 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 you need to go back and watch like the YouTube videos of the hearings, (laughs) you know, for the first four months that that fab four was in office where they're like arguing about all the money that was spent on their offices. And we've got somebody who's standing up admitting to an affair in the middle of a hearing. And we've got, (laughs) you know, accusing of blackmail and we've got all these crazy things going on. Yeah, the context is staggering. The context is staggering. And so it's like you you don't even understand the craziness yeah. we've dealt so with. So I can imagine how you can look at this. Well, during COVID, maybe. No, no, no. No, no. no. Yeah. <laughs> Part for the course. This is yeah. just the one that got us here. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, it. and that's exactly what's, you know, said a few times in that commission hearing. You know, these were really trying times and the pandemic and yeah. public servants don't really know what they're signing up, what right. they're getting themselves into. And I'm thinking... Yeah, but Boy. you're yeah, and your but your duty. This was already outside. Yes. the realm of normal. Yes, <laughs> but your duty doesn't go away because there's a pandemic. Your ethics right. don't get to go away because there's a pandemic. Well, you have to have ethics. True story. To begin with. True story. <laughs> yes, they can't go story. away. <laughs> if you never had them. They're not existing. If you never. All had right, them. I think we'll end on that. So we're we're gonna. Oh, do we have any time frame yet for when the? Um, so my understanding in the review that I've done is that they generally will. Um, they should have sent the request over. If not, it would be probably in the next three to five days that the commission will send the request over to the division of hearing. Um, and they like to get those set within 30 to 70 days. Okay. So I've said my guess on frame would be probably February mm. for when a hearing is going to take place. And I'm keeping an eye on it. I'll get notice when the hearing comes and I'll make sure everybody knows when it is for anybody who wants to, to come check it out. So... All right, well, we will continue to follow it and bring you news at thebraintontimes.com. If you're listening to this early, please tune in Sunday. We've got some great reporting, including on the firing of code enforcement whistleblower Tanya Shaw and some other greasy nonsense that you can always count on in local politics. For Don Kitterman and Jennifer Hamey, I am Mitch Maley, and this has been another episode of the Bradenton Times podcast. Well done, Miss Jen. 